0: The recently concluded 2022 session of the Colorado Legislature produced a new legislation of interest and benefit to older Colorado adults. Among these was an update to the Older Coloradans Act to increasing the number of medical providers for older adults. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. On this edition for Older Americans Month, we connect with the Colorado Gerontological Society, which keeps their fingers and hands on such legislation. With us is CGS Executive Director Ms. Eileen Doherty. I guess what's the most important thing in your determination that the legislature did that older adults will be benefiting from?
1: Well, I think there were several bills that will hopefully affect um, older adults specifically. One is a bill that Representative Kennedy um, carried in which is an income tax credit. Many older adults do not owe income taxes, Colorado income taxes, but you can still claim the credit and it will come to you as cash. So the way it's supposed to work is if you file federal income tax, so you're 1040, then you... When you fill that out, you would then fill out the state income tax and then there'll be a line item in which you can claim the credit. And if your annual adjusted gross income on your federal taxes is less than $25,000, then you will be getting $1,000. If your income is between, your adjusted gross is between twenty-five dollars and $50,000, then you will get on a declining balance um, less than $1,000. And when you get up to 75000 it will be zero. So if you have $50,000 adjusted gross income, you'll get about $500. Um, and if you don't owe the state um, money, then it will simply come to you as a credit, uh, meaning they'll send, send you a check for cash. Oh, okay. uh, if you don't normally file taxes, there will be a special form that you can file, um, which eliminates the need for you to go to H&R Block or one of those places and yeah. actually pay to file a 1040 that you don't need to, to file. If you file the for the property tax rent heat credit, or the PTC 104, then you will be able to claim this, um, this income tax credit on that form. So there'll be a number of ways that people can claim It will be available after January 1 of 2023, um, so they've got to stay be,
0: alive until then, right?
1: That's right. You've got to stay alive. Um, but, you know, it'll be a pretty significant amount of money for people. And pretty much whether you're a renter or a homeowner doesn't matter. All older adults will be eligible. I think um, when the question was asked specifically at one point in a hearing whether nursing home and assisted living Um, individuals would be eligible, the answer was, I don't see why not. So I think it will be available to everybody who is theoretically a taxpayer.
0: Those people who haven't filed a tax form because they said, well, I I don't have to for whatever reason, you know, they're legally, then they apply for this. Is the state going to say, well, you didn't file a tax form, you got a penalty anyway?
1: No, because, I mean, you only have a penalty unless you owed the state taxes. If you don't owe the state anything, if you don't owe the feds anything, you're not going to owe the state anything.
0: Okay. okay. Yeah,
1: that's pretty automatic. Um,
0: so now, now this is not the TABOR we've been hearing about. This is money separate from TABOR. Is that right?
1: Yes, it is. So the TABOR is a refund. This first one is what's called an income tax credit. And I understand that... You know, at the end of the day, there's, they're both cash in your pocket, but they, you get them very differently. So for the first one, the income tax credit, you are going to have to apply. For the TABOR refund, which is basically the sales tax refund, where the state made more money than the um, Taxpayers' Bill of Rights allows them to keep so every taxpayer gets some money back. So those individuals, you will need to apply for that as well. But if you have filed taxes, then you should automatically get that refund back. If you haven't filed taxes, then there's supposed to be a special form that will be developed by the Department of Revenue Um, to be able to claim that as well. And there's a fairly short turnaround on that. Uh So the assumption is that most people who are eligible for the TABOR refund should pretty much be applying by October the 17th, 2022. So that'll be a big piece of work over the next few months as soon as the Department of Labor, I mean, the Department of Revenue. Uh, gets the forms developed, uh, then people can start to apply for it. If you file an extension on your income taxes, yeah. then filing for the IRS, then you will just claim it with when you, um, go ahead and file your taxes.
0: Is a senior answer going to have something maybe simplifying it or steps to go through on your website?
1: I'm sure we'll put stuff both on our website as well as we will probably do a number of different kinds of mailings to help people understand how to access that benefit, yes.
0: Yeah, because most of them are going to say, I'm supposed to get some money. Now, what do I do? Where is it? That's
1: right. What do I need to do?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: and we're still getting four, five, 10 calls a week, um, and we're just a little bit too early. So I plead with you, give us till somewhere around July the 1st, and then we should have some guidance from the state as to exactly how to apply for that and what forms and information we should use.
0: And the uh, people who don't live in urban areas, because our signal goes to rural areas too, they can look up Senior Answers online. And start getting the direction when it's ready, when you post it then, too.
1: Sure. They can also call our 800 number if they'd like, 855-293-6911. And if they need to call the Spanish line, they can call 855-880-4777.
0: Um, legislature was busy. What other things do they have? I know the last time we talked, we were looking at uh, maybe a renewal of the homestead exemption. Did that occur?
1: Um, there were two attempts by the Republicans to carry the senior homestead exemption forward. Both of them, unfortunately, um, were PI'd. One of them was to pass a bill to increase the... Um, the amount of the exemption from two hundred thousand dollars to three hundred thousand dollars for fifty percent of the exemption um, of the value of your property, and to make it portable, meaning that once you had qualified for it, you could take it with you. It was killed both in in the committee, and then the same senator, Senator Liston from Colorado Springs, yeah. came back a few weeks later and ran a, tried to run a referendum to get it on the ballot. And unfortunately, that did not pass either. Um, So he did partner with Senator Mm Janal from Fort Collins, but it still did not pass out of the committee.
0: So the bottom line, there is or there is not a homestead exemption?
1: Well, the program as it currently has been in existence since 2002 is available, And again, if you file or if you owe property taxes for 2022, which you will pay in 2023, the senior homestead exemption will be available.
0: Okay. All right. Because
1: that's, again, one of the ways that they're reducing the Tabor surplus in addition to the four or five hundred dollars that everybody's going to get in cash. Another way they're reducing it is through the senior homestead exemption. Um,
0: How about all-inclusive care for the elderly? That was called the PACE Act or something like that?
1: So the program for all-inclusive care for the elderly, or sometimes called the PACE program, is a program that's been around for many, many years. It is a program in the Denver area, which um, is operated by an agency called InnovAge in Boulder and Weld County. It's operated by a company called True Community or True Care in Delta and Montrose. It's operated through the Volunteers of America through a program called Community. And then in Colorado Springs, El Paso, Teller County. It's operated through something called Rocky Mountain Human Services, and then the InnovAge program oper- operates in the Metro Denver area as well as Larimer, Loveland, and down in Pueblo. So, one of the things that has happened with the Pace program is that there have been there was a conversion of InnovAge from a not-for-profit to a for-profit company. Yeah, and so. Um currently unfortunately that program is under sanctions by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services as well as the local Medicaid office healthcare policy and financing.
0: What types of services are we talking about here?
1: So when you sign up for a PACE program, uh-huh. you assign your Medicare benefits to the PACE program, very much like you do in an HMO. Okay. But the PACE program goes one step or two steps further. Pretty much everybody has to be eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. And so they operate on the the mission, if you will, to keep people in the community. Yeah. And so they operate on an adult day model where people who are enrolled in their program go to this adult day program And at this adult day program, then, they receive a meal. They can receive help with laundry services. They Uh receive all of their therapies there. Their primary care physician is there. That primary care physician monitors any hospitalizations. A lot of those people also tend to live in assisted living because that's a way to increase, if you will, um, the safety and security of older adults who are living in the community, and it gives them a little higher level of oversight than right, they might right. get if they were living in their own home alone.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, but you can live in your own home. Either either model is okay. There's, not, there's no requirement, if you will, that you live in an assisted living if you go on the PACE program. So the PACE program does operate very much like a – managed care organization in the sense that they get it per member per month um, appropriation from both the federal government as well as from Medicaid and then for that amount of money they provide um, an interdisciplinary level of care they also then um, contract with home care or well they use their own home care agencies, but they have then transportation to take people various places, yeah. they contract with like the assisted living um for home you know for housing room and board kind of stuff so it's a it's a pretty good kind of program sure. um that can provide people with good coordinated interdisciplinary care.
0: I think there was also an update to the Older Coloradans Act. Lots of us didn't even know we had an Older Coloradans Act, much less an update to it.
1: Well, the Older Coloradans Act was originally passed in the early 2000s, if my memory serves me correctly we, the Gerontological Society, were extremely influential in how that program was organized. Yeah. Um, We wanted it to pretty much mirror the federal Older Americans Act, which it does. And the purpose for that act was to basically use state money to fund services very similar or duplicative of the federal money because the federal money was not going very far. I think we get around, I don't know, $25 million, $22 million of federal money in the Older Coloradans Act. And then we have state dollars then that can mirror those dollars. So the goal is to basically use state dollars to reduce things like waiting lists for homemaker services or for meals on wheels or for transportation services. It's also flexibility. It's That's the money actually that our agency gets to provide vision and hearing grants for older adults. Um, So it's got a lot of of flexibility.
0: Our guest on this edition is Ms. Eileen Doherty, Executive Director of the Colorado Gerontological Society. Our focus on this edition are the actions during the recently concluded legislative session that support and assist older adults for Older Americans Month. We will continue gaining additional insights from her on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yours and your family's safety. And we do thank you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.